Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This story of nuclear revenge is the most original revenge story that I've ever read. It will make you question everything you thought you knew about revenge, and it puts a completely different spin on what this subreddit is. This is the story of how the world's nicest guy gets revenge on his cheating ex-fiancee by living his best life. This is about a buddy of mine, the most decent guy you could ever be lucky enough to call a friend, and how he got nuclear revenge on his cheating ex-fiancee who dumped him for his best friend, all the while still being the most upstanding, greatest guy you can imagine. I've pieced this story together from things my friend and his wife have told me over the decade that we've been friends. There's not enough room to tell you how great this guy is, but believe me, he's been there for me like a rock when things were darkest. So then, quickly, the cast of characters. Let's call my friend Buddy, the ex-fiancee Lisa, and the hapless best friend Richard, aka you-know-what. As you listen to this, you have to always remember that Buddy is literally the greatest guy on the planet. Richard is, well, kind of a you-know-what. Annoying as heck, but my buddy says he always means well and his heart is in the right place. Lisa is as big of a cheating, lying, self-centered narcissist as ever walked the face of the earth. Other people are Ray, another high school friend of Buddy and Richard, Jen, Buddy's wife, and Bob and Linda, Richard's dad and mum. All the names are fake. So, the background. Our story begins when Buddy, Richard, and Lisa are all in middle school together at a typical suburban high school outside of Southern City football team friday night lights etc three of them are all in marching band inseparable friends if you know band types buddy plays the french horn richard plays the tuba i don't know what lisa played probably the flute because it's a cliche buddy and lisa are boyfriend and girlfriend and richard is a happy third wheel as they get older buddy and lisa explore the physical side of their relationship like normal high school kids do while richard is happy to be a player he's decent looking so he's got no problem getting action and also occasionally makes use of the professional women in their town this will be important later Buddy and Lisa, typical good students, go on to the prestigious public university in the southern city. Richard drops out of high school, but a self-taught programmer, he winds up with a decent career in tech. Buddy graduates college early with honors and proposes to Lisa at his graduation dinner with a small diamond because he's put himself through school and that's all he can afford. She accepts. Buddy gets a job at a fancy consulting firm in the prestigious city. Lisa finishes college back home in Southern City. It comes time for Lisa to graduate and Buddy helps his fiance also get a job at the same fancy consulting firm. During her last spring break, she flies up to the prestigious city to visit Buddy and interview for her job and gets pregnant. She flies back home, tells Richard she's in trouble and he takes her to the abortion appointment. Neither of them tell Buddy ever i heard about this from buddy's wife who heard it from richard one night when he was drunk as far as i know buddy still doesn't know buddy if you ever read this sorry dude i should have told you but it wasn't my place the betrayal lisa realizes when she doesn't want to tell buddy about her abortion that she can't marry him but she's not brave enough to break it off 
Instead, she ghosts him and he finds out through the HR department of the fancy consulting firm that she's turned down her job offer and won't move to the prestigious city after all. Buddy calls Richard and Richard says, Dude, I'm sorry, but it's worse. Lisa and I are now a couple. You can punch me in the face the next time we get together. Somehow, Buddy and Richard decide that Lisa isn't worth destroying their friendship, so they stay best friends, going hunting together on Richard's family place in the country, etc. Lisa is not happy about this, but Richard tells her that if she makes him choose, he'll choose Buddy. The follow-up. Buddy takes a year or so to get over it and starts dating again. Pretty soon, he meets Jen and falls madly in love, crazy in love. And to make things better, Jen is just as crazy about him. In less than six months, they're engaged. Now, the thing you have to understand is that Lisa is drop-dead gorgeous. She's not tall enough to be a model, just average high, but she's got these giant blue eyes and super long eyelashes, long, shiny, wavy, dark brown hair, an exquisite face, and a terrific figure. She's prettier than a movie star, and being beautiful is really important to her. Now, Jen is pretty enough, but regular, and she really and truly doesn't give a frick. Richard travels to the prestigious city without Lisa to meet Buddy's fiance. He and Jen really get along. Jen gets along with everyone and reports back to Lisa that Buddy is really happy. His fiance Jen is awesome, etc. Lisa gets jealous and pouty when she hears about Jen's Ivy League education. But then Richard makes a point of telling her that Jen is nowhere near as hot as Lisa, so she'll stop sulking, at least until she gets an invitation to the wedding. Lisa pitches a fit and refuses to go and tries to prevent Richard from going, but there's no way in heck he'll miss his best friend's wedding, so he goes to the stag. No big deal, it's a super small, low-key wedding. At the wedding, Richard reconnects with another high school friend of theirs, a guy named Ray, whose date to the wedding was actually someone else's wife. Ray has a thing for married women. This is important. Buddy and Jen go on living their best lives. At some point, Buddy gets an Ivy League MBA. His career takes off like gangbusters. They pop out a couple of kids. Jen quits her career to be a stay-at-home mom. They're rich as heck, still crazy in love, and blissfully happy. A couple of times a year, the guys get together and bring their wives along. At some point, Richard and Lisa get married. Buddy and Jen are not invited to the wedding, by the way. But the women get along okay. Jen gets along with everyone, and Lisa is happy because she's thinner and prettier than Jen, especially after both women have been through pregnancy and childbirth. The years tick on. Then things get complicated. One day, this is around 2008, when Buddy, Jen, and Richard are all playing World of Warcraft together, Richard gets them on TeamSpeak and tells a hell of a story. Richard and Lisa have continued to hang out with Ray, their high school friend who has a thing for married women. He's turned his eye on Lisa, who, even after three kids, is even hotter than she was in college. She's leaned heavily into the MILF role. Meanwhile, Richard has had enough of her nonsense. He's decided to divorce her three times, but each time when he tells her, she cries and gets all pouty. They have one last time unprotected sex. She gets pregnant and bam, Richard and Lisa's three kids. Ray goes in hard with his practice seduction routine and Lisa cries to Richard that she just can't stand it. And can she please just have sex with Ray? They do. Richard watches goes in for sloppy seconds, and Lisa and Richard's marriage enters its suburban swinger era. Wow. Richard gives Jen and Buddy every gory detail over the course of a two-hour conversation while they're all killing wolves on low-level alts in Elwyn Forest, and Lisa is upstairs with a bottle of wine. It's obvious during their next visit that Richard wants to join in sexy fun times with Buddy and Jen, but they're not into that. And after an awkward five minutes, things go back to normal. The kids all play together, the women make small talk, and Buddy and Richard hang out together doing the normal things that guys do. Richard tells Buddy that the reason they're into swinging is that he gets off on watching Lisa being degraded, and Lisa gets off on making Richard feel like he isn't man enough for her. 
This marriage is not happy, but Richard wants to stay married because Lisa is hot as heck, she's got a solid career, and he's a mid-level tech guy with a GED who works from home while he takes care of three kids, so he'll never be able to do better. Things get worse. Richard calls Buddy to chat. His marriage has gone to heck. Lisa has, in her words, met the love of her life. She's moved on from Ray and from the swinging scene and is now having an affair with a guy from the accounting department at her job. She's staying out all night. She's ignoring the kids. Richard and Lisa take the kids on a swanky vacation to try and focus on their family. And she spends all her time crying because she misses her AP and she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want a divorce because she knows she'll lose the kids. She's drunk all the time and she doesn't want to have to pay Richard child support. She wants him to let her live whatever life she wants while he does all the cooking and cleaning and childcare and still brings in 50% of the household money. Lisa will also not STFU about how she could have married Buddy and been like Jen, a stay-at-home mum in a giant 5,000 square foot house with six bedrooms and a pool. I should mention that Buddy has also had a Neville Longbottom style glow up and gone from a nerdy band kid to a silver haired, super confident, high level exec in a top tier consulting firm, whereas Richard is still the guy working from his basement in sweatpants, covered in Dorito crumbs. Yeah, he's been working on himself, but there's no way he can compete in Lisa's eyes, although both Buddy and Jen tell me about Richard's great qualities. Lisa is jealous, hopping mad, and she blames Richard. Dude, trust me, I know, she's bad news. Leave her, Buddy tells his friend. It's the last conversation they will ever have. Holy heck, this is where it gets terrible. Buddy gets a call at work one afternoon. It's Bob, Richard's dad. Richard got drunk, woke up Lisa at 3am, told her that he'd never loved her, that she'd never been enough of a woman for him, that he'd been visiting prostitutes during most of their marriage, and that he hoped she would go to hell. Then he blew his brains out in such a way that the splatter went all over her and all over the bed. When the ambulance got there, she was hysterical, sitting on the curb outside the house, screaming over and over again, Kill me too! It's all my fault! It's all my fault! Later, Bob would call Buddy to tell him that Lisa specifically says that he is not welcome at the funeral. Bob and Linda, Richard's parents, step in to take care of the three little kids, who did nothing wrong and do not deserve this, while Lisa does nothing but work and drink. The coup de grace. About a year later, Buddy flies to Southern City to put flowers on Richard's grave and visit with Richard's parents, Bob and Linda. Bob is still in shock, but he and Linda have taken Lisa in as a daughter. Lisa's mum is dead and she has no contact with her dad and stepmom to try and help her through this as much as they can. Why did Lisa say it was all her fault and why does she ban you from the funeral? Bob asked Buddy. What don't I know? What's the rest of the story? Why did Richard do it? He asks. Here is the moment of ultimate revenge. Buddy thinks for a minute and decides that it will help Bob and Linda to understand the tragedy that happened to their son if they know the full story. So he tells them everything. Bob and Linda have continued to do everything for the three kids and they continue to treat Lisa well because that is best for the children. But the clock is ticking. Lisa's remarried now. When the kids are old enough, Bob and Linda will tell them the whole story. The youngest kid will be 18 soon. Buddy is still grieving over his friend. So here is a little summary. What did Buddy do to get revenge on his cheating ex-fiance? One, stayed friends with the guy who stole her, letting her know how important she was to him versus the friendship. Two, moved on and married someone smarter, nicer, and less pretty, letting her know how important her best quality, only good thing about her, was to him. Three, had a heck of a successful career, causing her much jealous anguish. Four, had a massive glow up between 30 and 40, causing her much jealous anguish. Five, had a terrific marriage, causing her much jealous anguish and also letting her know that the problem in their relationship was not him. 
And six, respected her boundaries when she uninvited him to his best friend's funeral, causing the best friend's dad to ask the fateful question that, in my opinion, takes this over from karma to nuclear. Proof that living well is indeed the best revenge. It sucks about Richard though. Buddy says he was the kind of guy who would come to your house when all hell broke loose, clean your fridge and make a five-star dinner with whatever he could find. Nuclear vengeance wasn't worth the cost. I wish I'd known him. And there we go. That concludes what is without a doubt one of the best revenge stories that I've ever read on Reddit. Hands down. I really loved every second of that because personally it answers a question that I've had whilst reading these stories on revenge subreddits for pretty much the entire time that I've been making these episodes. You know, when you're younger and your parents, your teachers, you know, adults, a lot of them anyway, always say to you, just because someone's done something bad to you, it doesn't mean you should do something bad back to them. Well, over the course of reading what probably thousands of revenge stories at this point, it doesn't seem like that's always been the case and a lot of the time the revenge stories that i read where something bad happens to the person that did something bad is very justified yet always in the back of my mind i've had the question what about those lessons that we were taught as a child to not go and seek for revenge when you've had something bad happen to you because that's not the best way of doing things but i've never seen a story that's actually shown that until now and there we go does this story on its own destroy every other revenge tale that i've ever read because this revenge does seem the most hard-hitting despite buddy just being completely nice and honest the whole time and not doing traditional revenge as we've come to know it over the years on this sub if that makes sense it's one where you have to get in the comments guys i'm not sure this is the first story i've ever seen where the response has just been kindness and you know just honesty and living a better life for yourself and saying you know i'm going to leave this life behind me and that's going to be my revenge rather than actually doing something that is seen as you know vengeful it's very interesting and i'd love to hear your thoughts many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now moving on to our next nuclear revenge story. You're going to out me as gay to everyone. Prepare to have your entire future go up in flames. This was almost seven years ago. I grew up in a small town from hit country. Always knew I was gay. Everyone else was homophobic. Was planning on staying in the closet till I move out, etc. You know the song. Seven years ago, a certain senator from Vermont announced his candidacy for president of the United States. And me, being the edgy high school senior who couldn't keep his mouth shut, I went all in on the online activism. Mostly on Reddit, r slash sounder for president, but most importantly on Twitter, where I had a fan account with roughly 10k followers that I wouldn't shut up about. This didn't go over well with everyone, but people knew my politics and I was just a terminally online 17-year-old high schooler, so nobody took it seriously. I guess my parents got a few comments at church, but that was about it. Even at school, I lacked self-awareness and wouldn't shut up about the democratic primaries. I wasn't anti-social or anything, but most of the people I hung out with there were dorkier than me, and at least as unself-aware. Here is one thing I didn't account for. If you harass your entire rural hick town to follow your Twitter account, maybe don't use that account to like gay prawn. These were likes from half a year prior, so you had to scroll a while to find them, but a guy from one of my classes, let's call him Alex, went through that trouble. 
and sent screenshots to practically everyone at school plus my parents this wasn't easy for me but the landing was softer than i expected my parents took a week or so to adjust but were eventually fine with it other adults in town avoided me but that wasn't much of a change and people at school picked on me for a while but it dwindled down fast i still was livid with what alex did and i wasn't letting it slide Besides, it wasn't entirely harmless either. My parents were willing to live with it, but were still homophobic and outwardly so. And either way, who wants to have their prawn history shown to their parents? Alex was a top-of-the-class straight-A student with Ivy League aspirations and definitely Ivy League qualifications. Plus, he could go the legacy route through his dad. His future was also fully dependent on his parents' money. I needed to hit these two aspects of Alex's life and turn them into smoke. Alex's parents were kind of the movie cliche of small town rich folk, old money, dad is a lawyer, good standing with the community and the church, conservative, involved in local and state politics, etc. Alex was a spoiled rich kid. Nothing intrinsically wrong with that, but it comes with its fair share of rebellious dumb things you do as a spoiled rich kid. So here is how I use his past to destroy his future. Alex dealt drugs for a month when he was 15. Again, he was a well-put-together valedictorian, so totally out of place, but he just wanted something to do on the edge, I suppose. I knew this because we bought our weed from him through a friend one time. He still had the conversations and was more than happy to oblige by handing me the screenshots, which I sent to his parents. They obviously accused me of fabricating them out of revenge, so I asked my friend to show them the conversation firsthand next Sunday after sermon, which he did. A year before outing me, he impregnated a girl who ended up getting an abortion that he paid for with the quid pro quo that she wouldn't say who the father is. It was already too late for her since her parents knew she was pregnant, so she didn't mind taking the entire fall herself. I knew that girl pretty well. We weren't friends, but we were close politically and would have the occasional discussion. She was livid with Alex for outing me and decided, after I not so subtly suggested it, to do a call-out post on the town's Facebook group with screenshots of their conversations. And finally, Alex had an alt-right trolling account that he used to harass black people. I'm talking hard R, N-words, monkey jokes, IQ graphs and the like. Multiple people, mostly the one black kid who went to the school, reported him, but it was practically impossible to prove that he was behind the account until I realized that he sometimes logged into it on the school's computers and I gave that as a tip to the principal. I'm not sure what the IT guy technically did, but he caught him red-handed and he ended up getting a week suspension and having to apologize in front of the whole school. So, Alex went from model son to junkie baby-murdering Nazi overnight. His parents decided to kick him out without a penny after graduation. He still got into an Ivy League school, but without his parents' support, he had to juggle school and a part-time job, and he dropped out a year in. He's now apparently a divorced absentee father who's involved with two multi-level marketing schemes at once. From a valedictorian who was destined to become a DC lawyer to that. And there we have it. Perhaps a little bit more of a typical revenge story right there. I've got to say though, how dumb is this kid, Alex? But if you're going to out someone for their online behavior, you better make sure that your online footprint is as clean as it can possibly be. Because if you have even an inclination that this person is going to come back and try and find some dirt on you online, you have to have checked that, surely? Like That is just a prerequisite for doing what you did. And the fact that you didn't just have some bad stuff online, but some truly awful racist stuff is so embarrassing like yeah it's obviously bad that he's got an alt-right trolling account that's racist don't get me wrong um but the worst thing if i can joke about this which i probably shouldn't is that he's dumb enough to not realize that that could get found out and then on top of that we take it offline and he's got some terrible things from his physical past that he's done as well so many skeletons in young alex's closet why would you ever 
put yourself in a position to be exposed like you were. So I like the first revenge. We didn't really have that innocence in the second. But again, I love these sort of revenge stories where it's completely self-inflicted. Alex has brought this entirely on himself and you're only doing the exact same thing that he's done to you. It's very, very fair. If anything, it's a great thing that you did this, right? Because ultimately, it's very important that people realize who this person really is. I mean, the abortion stuff perhaps isn't as important, but it is weird that he would then out you even knowing that. But the dealing of drugs and the fact that he had a racist online account is so mental. And it's very good that you've now told everyone the real truth about this guy. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this one. The first revenge episode of 2023. Hope you enjoyed it. To us with you, two excellent stories there. Thoroughly enjoyed them. If every story was as good as these two, goodness me, I would struggle to not make content on this subreddit each and every day. If you do want more straight away, check out this video. It's extra long revenge video that I posted just the other day. It's also linked down in the description if you're on podcast platforms. And with that all being said, I'll see you guys tomorrow for a brand new upload. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.